1: Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with CINDA Europe which brings thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. Now, we don't only bring you thought leaders from all over the world, but we also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transitions, and the connected world is having on our organization and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and also business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. specific time and if you miss us live don't worry about it because we are on every major podcast platform. From Apple Podcasts to Google Play to Stitcher to Spotify, you can find us all over the net. And I also invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or go to my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And drop me an email. Let me know what kind of subjects you want to hear on our show. And if you're a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week, and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. I'm going to start this episode with a quote from Rob Lachnau, and he's a CEO at Bayan Global Family Business Advisors in Boston, Massachusetts in the U.S., and he was quoted in a Forbes article and saying there's one thing that makes family businesses different from all others. And what he said was, to quote him, in a non-family business, you can quit your job, and it's usually a career-enhancing move. In a family business, you sure can't quit your family. Now, I spent 10 years working as an executive in a family-owned business, and it was a rewarding experience. There was a board to keep the siblings at bay, and yes, you know there were challenging times, but I have to say it gave me great insights that were quite different from the insights that I got working for private equity or Fortune 500s. And today we're going to explore how family businesses tick, and we're gonna talk about what we can learn from them. And we're going to be talking today. Our guest today is Charles Bales IV, and he is part owner of ABC Fine Wines and Spirits. And he is a fourth generation family in a fourth generation family member, running a nine-figure U.S. dollar family-owned. Business, and as the executive VP of distribution and logistics of ABC Fine Wines and Spirits, he oversees 126 stores in Florida and over 1,600 employees. Now, Charlie, he, aside from his executive VP position and part owner, he is a husband, a dad of three, an executive, an entrepreneur, a CrossFitter, a health nut and a lover of sleep and as you can see with that schedule he probably doesn't get that much and he loves meeting new people talking and having meaningful conversations he's passionate about sharing his knowledge and expertise on running a family business crisis management succession planning and much more and the strategies he's going to share with us today have been in his family for over 80 years so charlie welcome to the show
2: Thank you so much for having me, Kimberly. This is uh this is an honor and uh, looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. So let's just start with a little background on your I mean, because I went on a website and um this family business I, I saw on the website it had a tag the it was been in the family since nineteen thirty-six. So actually how did it start?
2: And yeah, and um that's it's a long time ago, right? Geez, yeah. but and if if your listeners are familiar with what was happening in America in the nineteen thirties. Um, prohibition was coming to an end. So that's that's really the, the foreshadowing of what Jack Holloway, uh, who was our founder, and he's my great-grandfather, um, he was working in a little cigar shop. And when prohibition was coming to an end and alcohol was becoming legal again, he goes to his boss and he says, hey, may- maybe we should sell this stuff. Like, maybe this is a great <laughs> opportunity. And his boss basically laughed at him. Um, And Jack just being the entrepreneur that he was said, cool, I'm going to go do it myself. And he did. And um, now I'm sitting here talking to you across the world, 85 years later, and we've got this massive uh, corporation that would not be in existence if it weren't for Jack's, you know, magical thinking.
1: Yeah. Hey, that's a great story, because when I saw the date, I kind of wondered if it had anything to do with that. OK, but a a really, really great story. And so many generations later, and of course, with technology today, you know, we can talk across the world, across the pond here. So um, but, you know, when you when you think of this, the four generations now families are complicated. So in, in, you know, as you pass it down, is ownership a birthright? and and um you know how do you distinguish that how do you distinguish between the levels of contribution um, birth rights, um and what is considered family
2: yeah it's a really good question and i i um, we're we're a privately held family-owned company however we operate very similar very similarly to a public company uh, mm-hmm. just because we've 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 learned from the public world and if the public world can learn from the private world That's really what 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 I think is a key ingredient to a successful business. So, you know, what does that mean? That means that um, when you're born into the family ownership is it it might be a birthright as as you're an owner of the family. But that doesn't mean that you have a right to go run the business. That doesn't even mean you have a right to go work in the business or have a say in the business. Um, You know, working in the business, you have to earn your way. My my first job was working in our warehouse as a teenager. Um, all of the family members who have wor- who are working in the business uh, work in either stores or the warehouse, and we worked our way up. Um, so there, there really is no, um, you know, cheating path to that. And then when it comes to the uh, uh, management of the business, we have an outside board of directors. Uh-huh. Um, we we do have members of the family who are are members of the board, um, but that is earned and appointed by the outside governing board. Um, so we do operate very similarly to the public companies that that, that do have outside board ownership. And I think, I think that's been a secret to our success for the years and years that really it's not the families that run the business. It's the outside board that has the responsibility um, to oversee the business and the way that everything is going. So like <laughs> just someone can't be born and all of a sudden, oh, they're just going to change the business because they're part of the family. That can't yeah. happen.
1: Now, that, that, that's really good. And I, I said in the intro, I was part of a family business um, as a CEO of a family, working as a uh, outside CEO of a family business for a while. And um, we had a board. And I have to say, I, I think that's a really smart thing to do. <laughs> OK, and I'm going to come back with some questions on that in a little bit. But my, 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 uh, my first question before we go into that is, um, you said you have to... You, you maybe have an ownership right, but doesn't mean a working right. So how do you decide you know which family members actually participate in the the business and contribute to the business and which ones don't?
2: Yeah, um, you know we we don't we don't push family members to come mm-hmm. work in the business. Uh, we, we, I, the way that I look at it, I can certainly speak for myself. I think it's an honor and a privilege to work in the family business. Um and if I didn't think that way, I probably wouldn't be working here, and there wasn't really a ton of pressure for me to go run the business you know of 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 course there there is a sense of responsibility to go take care of of all of the other family members that live off of the you know success of this business, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's for everybody, and it doesn't have to be a personal de- decision. You know, that's, that's, that's a super hard one to make. If someone doesn't want to work in the business, that's totally fine. There, I have a lot of cousins who do not work in the business. Neither mm-hmm. one of my sisters work in the business. Their two husbands do, but neither of them do. So it's, 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 it's kind of just normal, really, mm-hmm. that, like, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not being pressured. Um, if you want to work for the business, good. Come on, and we'll get you started. But you're going to start at the bottom, and you're going to work your way up. And you're going, I mean, I've worked in our stores, our warehouse, I've run HR. There are a ton of things that I've done for the business um, to try to learn every aspect that I can. Because once you do make that decision that you're in the business and you're doing things the right way, we want to expose um, the family members to as much as possible so that Mm -hmm. we can make more educated decisions on a daily basis.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that that makes sense because, I mean, that's where a lot of public companies fail okay you go into to one position and you sometimes don't have that kind of 360 view of um you know the relationship between maybe hr and what you're doing logistics okay um so i think that that's something that public companies can learn from family businesses what do you think
2: absolutely um and really the 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 main thing in there that they can learn is um It's not so much forward thinking as it is long term thinking Mm -hmm. um, where public companies and like I get it. Wall Street, all these stock markets, you live quarter to quarter. I understand how that works, but what, what you don't what we don't have to report everything. Thing to Wall Street and live in that frame of mind. We live in a three to five year frame of mind in our business at ABC, and our board supports that. So when you do that, you're you're allowing your executive team to cross train with each other and really just become better executives overall, which mm-hmm. is very hard to do when you're living <laughs> quarter to quarter. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean, it's really it's really the difference between a lifestyle business and uh, you know either a publicly owned or startup business, and um, Charlie, what about succession planning? You know, so you have succession planning. Because um, when do you start planning that? I mean, you started working in the warehouse as a teenager, and um, I'm sure whoever was running the business at that time, you know, said, you know, he's interested in the business. Um, let's watch out for him. And and how do you how do you go about succession planning?
2: Yeah, it's it's a it's such a great question, and I don't I don't know if there really is like a perfect blueprint to it. know uh, what what we've done at at ABC um, is we we operate with this uh, radical transparency, I'll call it, um, to where if if anybody wants to know an answer to a question or go ask an executive something or even see the financials, like we're going to show them you know Ooh. we're 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 not we're not hiding anything we're not doing anything secretive so you know succession planning there is a lot of responsibility that ends up being on the individual so like for me in that case where if i if i ask really good questions and if i listen and if i learn that's part of the succession planning process that's a lot of what we've done but where the third generation Um, has done really good is just allowing the fourth generation that access and allowing us to ask the questions and be a part of all of that. Um, So it it hasn't really been this strategic plan of like, all right, five years out, you're going to do this three years out. You're going to do that. There's been some of that. That's why I've run our, our store operations. I've run human resources. Um, i've run our warehouse and distribution center i'm 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 on the i t and finance side now so it's it's it stops in areas and that's very strategic but once you get to that stop in that area, it's really up to me to ask the right questions and then the executive who's training me to allow me the time and the access uh to that platform
1: mm-hmm. okay that that that's interesting um it, because it is, you know that, that I, without having that blueprint, I think you're you're allowing yourself some more flexibility. I would say too, and allowing to see who's interested in what and and how it works out, which is very different than a public company.
2: 100 percent and i think that the third generation deserves a ton of credit as the fourth generation has come up we've all kind of figured out where we want to go in the business like Mm -hmm. i've never had a stop in marketing nor do i want to because my brother-in-law is a genius in that department and loves it and i Mm -hmm. want him to do it i've never really run our sales organization because my cousin does that i haven't run real estate because my other brother-in-law so like everyone's kind of found their way and their niche Mm -hmm. Uh, which is a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, that's great. So, Charlie, we're going to take a short break, and and when I come back, I, I want to talk about you know some of the other things we can learn, and and then learn a little bit about you know how within the family business you deal with conflicts, and um, maybe drill down on what the what relationship the board or what how what they actually do. Um, so, for our guests, for our listeners, we are speaking with. Uh, Charles Bales IV, and he is part owner of ABC Fine Liquors and Spirits. And he is the fourth generation family member running this nine-figure family-owned business. And he is the VP of distribution and logistics of ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. And he oversees 126 stores in Florida with 1,600 Employees. He's talking to us today about family businesses, how they're run, and, and what we can learn from them. Now, if you'd like to learn more about his business at ABC Fine Wines and Spirits, you can go to www.abcfws.com. And they are also on Twitter under ABC Wines Spirits, on Facebook under ABC. Fine wines and spirits, on Pinterest pin under ABC FWS, and on Instagram under ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. And if you want to talk to Charlie, you can go to his website. He has his own website at charliebales.com, and he's also on LinkedIn under charlie dash bales so you can learn you can reach out to him also and this broadcast is also brought to you by cinda and cinda holds virtual trainings conferences market research and does legislative white papers focused on digital transitions uh, in europe and supports local businesses for digital transitions in europe And you can go to Cinda under www.cinda.org. And Cinda is planning their first live conference since the pandemic. And that will be held in Berlin, October 10th to 13th. And for more information on that, go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to borders at gmail.com. Again, that's borders at gmail.com.
1: Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's Business Channel. And today we are talking to Charles Bales and he is a part owner of ABC Fine Wines and Spirits. And he's the fourth generation running this business, this nine figure family owned business. And he is the executive VP of distribution and logistics in the business. And he oversees 126 stores in Florida with over 1,600 employees. And he's sharing with us today um, how his you know family businesses runs so successfully. and um and Charlie, you know the the succession planning and the freedom that that the third generation gave to you guys and the fourth generation has has really you know opened up the opportunities for for your family. Um, but there's not always opportunities. Okay. I mean, there's also sometimes within families conflicts. I mean, do you have processes for conflicts and, and how do you deal with conflicts within a family business?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, we're no different than any other business. We definitely have our good days and bad days. <laughs> and times that we want to strangle each other. Um, so, you know, how do we deal with that? Well, we actually talk, you know, I think that, I think that so many businesses, they they just the executive teams and other departments, they just don't talk. They just go straight to HR, which is part of the reason why I wanted to take over HR so I could help uh, infiltrate that and just end that within our company. Um, But like we have really good communication. If you have an issue with somebody, or you're having an idea, or you want feedback or something, you pick up the phone and you ask them, or you walk into their office. Um, So that. That line of communication is very strong, but also all the family members and the executives who aren't family, uh, blood family at least, because I mean, w- when you have a family-owned business, the culture of our business really is that of a family. It's it's mm-hmm. so bizarre and awesome. Um, so the 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 bloodline family at the foundation of everything of our relationships or if we're want to have a con or if we're having a conflict with someone and we need to figure this out we all respect that at the foundation is the business none Mm -hmm. of us would be here without the golden goose which is the business so Mm -hmm. we respect that and if if we didn't respect that then you're probably not going to work for the business anymore which has never happened Mm and we're we're all we're, we're all in a really good place we all respect that our outside board respects that and everybody understands why we're here, and and you know no one is bigger than the business. So with that understanding, and then with this open dialogue of communication, really conflict—it's not so much conflict as much as it is just everyday communication, and we're going to figure things out.
1: Mm-hmm. And and I think I think what you said is that that connection to the business, that engagement, um, is is quite different than, uh, publicly owned companies or, um, you know, even other, you know, I think it might be there in startups, but, um, it's definitely different in family owned businesses. So when, when you think about that, what, what do you think, you know, if you had some advice on, on to people you know, managing public companies, is there a piece of advice you can take from this communication piece to tell them, you know, uh, how to get their employees more engaged?
2: Oh man, if I, if I had that answer, <laughs> I'd probably write a book, right? That's <laughs> the whole world. But I guess I have that opportunity right now. You know, what I, when I, when asked that question, like, what can a public company learn from ABC, a privately family owned company? Um, you know, I, the, the answer that I typically go to is long-term thinking because mm-hmm. it it really is it you can you can you can connect that dot to everything it can talk it can be talked about with succession planning how we already have um it can be talked about with what do you want the culture of your business to be in 4 years because culture doesn't change in 6 months if it does mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a real change it takes years of 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 dedicated work to change the culture of a company and you know we've we've got a vibrant culture at abc one that's filled with respect and empowerment and radical transparency, and we inspire each other. So, like, if you're looking at the long term, really identify what you want to be. And, you know, I, 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 I hate to use generalization, so I'll stick away from it. I'll just say that some publicly traded executives, all they really care about is the short term, and the mm-hmm. financial bonus and the gain, and like I, I get that because I mean mm-hmm. I have my MBA, I went to business school, I got mm-hmm. drilled into me that the shareholder is the most important thing. When that's really not the case in in practical reality, what's mm-hmm. what's most important is the success of the business and the people that are helping the business achieve that success, which are your employees. You mm-hmm. know, so treating your employees as real people and not numbers. Um, is another key 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 message that that uh, bigger companies could learn from privately held ones. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm going to come back to the employees because I I do think you know sometimes we forget that the most important asset we had have in any company is not necessarily the product or the service, but the people who do it. You know, the people who put it together. So I want to I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But before we go on to that. Um, in this whole process of running a family business, you talked about the board. So, what you know, what contribution do they make, and what does the decision-making process look like?
2: Yeah, so our our board is very much one of a like uh, oversight committee that approves the budget. Uh, the everyday uh, operation of running the business, the board stays out of. Um, and, you know, the family. there, there are family members uh, who are on the board and who are in the business. You know, mm-hmm. my, my dad and my uncle being two of those and mm-hmm. my cousin Chad on the other side of the family. So there are three members who are in the everyday business that are part of the seven board members. Um, so there is certainly some uh, crossover there. But for the most part, the board is approving the budget and keeping us uh, within our guardrails. And um, we 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 the employees the team members are running the business of the of the daily operation.
1: Mm-hmm. So they're basically they're setting the strategy, setting the goals, and, and probably the long-term goals, and helping or with with you guys together. So on the operational side, when you're doing operational decisions, um, is that siloed or how does that happen within the company?
2: yeah that's a it's a really, really cool topic to talk about. Um, uh, I think that the bigger your company gets, the more siloed it almost has to become, because you need to let your you know chief marketing officer or your chief um, uh, financial officer. You need to let these people do their jobs, you know, and not micromanage. but at the same time, we all know that silos are not good for culture because you want everybody rowing in mm-hmm. the same direction and the same team. So there's this there's this amazing dichotomy there that you have to find the middle ground. And I think that we're we, we're not perfect at ABC, but I think we're better than a lot of other people. And we're we're, we're doing everything we can to find that middle ground. And we hyper communicate between departments, but we also trust and empower the other departments to do their job and to do what's right. And that's why we've got our mission statement, our core values, and our, our our strategic goals. We only have three of them. You know, it's not like we've got 17 goals. We try to keep everything simple. And really, everything you're doing should be in alignment with our core values, our strategic goals, and and, and simply put, our mission statement. And then you just got to trust and empower your team to do it.
1: Mm-hmm. And and how how do you cascade that down? I mean, you have one thousand six hundred employees, and you, you said that you you allow contribution, you listen to them. So you have the the core values, you have the mission statement. Um, um, there might be decisions, you know, by marketing or finance, but but you you stay with that middle. And how do you? Ca- Get that message down and cascade that to the person standing at the register. In um, I don't know very many Florida towns <laughs> I can say Orlando. Okay, <laughs> so how do you how do you get it down there?
2: Uh, it's 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 hard. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you we do everything that, that we can. We use all the tools that we can. But we're uh, we 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 have got really good field managers. We've got mm-hmm. really good store managers. Um, And, you know, we just we rely on those people to to deliver the message. And we're we're constantly in the business. Our executive team is not the team that just sits in offices and does email. You know, we are we are constantly meeting with each other. We're all in the field, in our stores, talking to our frontline team members, asking for feedback and checking in. And, um, you know, we we do we we're again, we are not perfect, but we're doing the best that we can to try to communicate with that many people. But you have to have really good managers. You have mm-hmm. to have a really good uh, group and a really good team and, and a number of teams at different levels of the hierarchy uh, to effectively communicate with that many people. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can I can tell you our our mid-level management team, which is about 30 or 40 people. They are tremendous. You know, we, we are extremely talented at that level, but we've invested a lot. We we decided 10 years ago we need this team, um, which was part of our long term strategy. So we've developed some. Um, we've went, we've received some from other companies that that uh, left their company to come work for us. And we've just built this team uh, that really it's their job to bring the message to the front lines.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and I mean, that's great. And that's, you know, people forget that they forget that, that kind of, I call it the sandwich level. Okay, you know, and um, if you have a really good sandwich level in there, you know, it's, uh, that's probably one of the most important things. And um, Charlie, you know, a question that you know, I love to just ask people, especially you know, um, family owned business. I mean, we're just uh, coming out of the pandemic and you're in retail, so how did you know, coming back to the pl- employees, how did you um, deal with keeping the employees safe, engaged, and restriction during this pandemic? Because as a retail business, I don't know if you come under groceries or you know whatever, you were probably open still, but it was not the safest environment for everybody. How did you deal with that?
2: yeah totally uh we we were open the whole time we were declared an essential business which is mm-hmm. funny when you think about what we sell but but that, that's another topic That that's,
1: that's another actually, topic yeah
2: yeah it, it makes a ton of sense after you can give me 10 minutes to tell you why but we'll, we'll move on <laughs> um so you know we 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 went straight to our mission statement our mission statement is to make everyday celebrations better for our team members and guests and it says team members first So what do we do? We got to we got to do everything we can to protect our team members. So the first thing that we did, which is completely counterintuitive to a for profit business, is we restricted our store operating hours. We Mm -hmm. opened later and we closed earlier. And that is not a recipe um, to increase sales, which I'm sure Mm -hmm. most of your listeners understand. (laughs) But we did that because it was the right thing to do we needed more time to clean our stores we needed more time for our team members to go home and take care of everything with all of the uncertainty that was the first thing we did and um you know i think that 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 shows really the world where our um where our priorities are our priorities are taking care of our most precious asset which is our team members as opposed to taking care of the almighty dollar because mm-hmm. you know w- when you take care of your team the dollar
1: comes right yeah yeah i mean that that's that's absolutely right and now we're kind of we're kind of getting back to the new normal so um you know are are some of these these things that you've done uh, staying in place or or how are you transitioning back i'm assuming florida is getting back to normal at this point
2: yeah yeah yes ma'am um (laughs) you know we're our our store hours have increased obviously um, because we just we need to meet the customer where they are, but we've got a lot of things still in place. Uh, we've got curbside pickup, we've got delivery to your house. Uh, we got all those things implemented very quickly in the middle of the pandemic, um, and we we still have uh, all the precautions that our team members want. We still have shields at our cash registers. Why why would we take them down? Uh, mm-hmm. There's just no reason to. Um, yeah. So you know we've we, we've done all of the all of the right things to continue to protect and invest in our team. And we'll continue to do that because really we're, we, we, when I say we, it's our store support center. It's our corporate office. We are at service to our customer, which is our team member. So whatever our team member wants, as we get back to this new normal, we're going to do the best that we can um, Mm -hmm. to, to deliver to them.
1: Yeah, and that, and that that just shows the focus on the employee. I think that's I think that's great, um, Charlie. We're gonna we're gonna take a short break, um, and when we get back, I I want to ask you a little bit about um, social positioning. You know, as a family business within the community, um, and then I'd like to hear about. Uh, You you have a new venture going on. I'd like to hear a little bit about that also. So for our listeners, uh, we are talking with Charles Bales, and he is the part owner of ABC Fine Wines and Liquors and Spirits. And he is a fourth-generation family member running this nine-figure family-owned business. And he is the Executive VP of Distribution and Logistics of ABC Fine Fine Wine and Spirits. And he oversees 126 stores in Florida with over 1,600 employees. And that's what we we're talking about. How do you get the message down to 1,600 employees? And I think it sounds like you are doing a great job. So if you'd like to learn more about the business, please go to abcfws.com. Um, they are also on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram, of course. And Charlie has his own website under www.charliebales.com. So please reach out to him, and he's also on LinkedIn under Charlie Bales. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back.
0: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america you are listening to leadership beyond borders do you have a question or comment about our show please send an email to leadership beyond borders at gmail.com again that's leadership beyond borders at gmail.com now back to this week's program
1: Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And, and today we're talking about family businesses and what we can learn from family businesses. And we're talking with Charles Bales IV, and he is the part owner of ABC Find Liquid. Lick- Fine Wines and Spirits, and he is the fourth-generation family member running this nine-figure family-owned business. Now, he is also the executive VP of distribution and logistics and has – oversees over 126 stores and 1,600 employees, which is quite a lot. Charles, so we were talking before the break. We were talking about you know how important the employees are and what you're doing for them. And I, I'd like to talk also a little bit about um, social responsibility. Okay, because we've seen we've seen um, trends from consumers that really are are buying. And engaging with with businesses that demonstrate some kind of social responsibilities um, or social values. Um, what's your, you know, do you see that? And and what is your company doing in that area?
2: Uh, yeah, we're 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 trying to hit that hard um, in a couple of different areas. So for one, we just we we give a lot of time and we give a lot of money back. Um, as an organization and as a family um i mean i it's it's kind of an expectation but it's it's something that that i'm i'm proud to do and i love doing it i sit on three uh local nonprofit boards within the orlando area uh that 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 strive to you know give uh give back in terms of education and housing and and healthcare um, those are the three areas that i'm giving my time to and um my my counterpart family members inside the business all have organizations that they sit on and that that we support both with our time and financially and the business too abc abc gives a boatload of money every year um to certain charitable organizations a uh, pediatric cancer foundation being one of them and then united cerebral palsy here in florida the central florida chapter there's five schools that are integrating both kids that have illnesses and kids that are totally normal. Um and it's 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 really cool research to be a part of that that we're we're really funding that. Um wow. so I mean we 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 take corporate and social responsibility very seriously and we can. You know, that's that's another big distinction between private and public yes, companies. Yes. Um <laughs> So, you know, we're, we're, we're actually giving our time, we're, we're putting our money where our mouth is and we support our team members doing it as well. It's one of our three main strategic goals is to, you know, serve the communities that our stores are in, not just with a great place to shop for, you know, adult beverage. And we, we bring Mm -hmm. jobs to markets. We, we really want to partner with the local communities and we're doing that. I think we're doing a fantastic job, um, and then the other area where we, we where we try to take very seriously um, is we're we, we sell a product that's made of glass and that comes in cardboard. Mm-hmm. So we, we have recycle bins uh recycling dumpsters even uh at the majority of our stores. We're working with local jurisdictions to to recycle as much as possible. Our our distribution center, we've got two massive dumpsters that probably create more cardboard to go be recycled than most businesses do all year. And we'll do that mm-hmm. in a week. So we, we, we're a very green company. Um, our, our stores are built out of styrofoam blocks and filled oh, with okay. cement, you know, to, to, because that's better on the environment and it decreases all of the greenhouse emissions. So I mean, we're, we're actually pretty close to to getting that B Corp certification um, uh, COVID put a hold on that a little bit, but, but we're bringing that back up, which would be corporation in the United States is one that takes corporate social responsibility very seriously, mm-hmm. as I'm sure many of your listeners know that. So we're we're trying to do the best that we can to make the world a better place.
1: Yeah, oh, that's that's really impressive. And then and, and um, you know, the recycle and and you know environmentally conscious is also you know very very important and as you know um, you know I'm sitting in Germany which is probably one of the most green, countries in the world okay with um, recycling everything uh, so it's great to hear that and and the social activities are fantastic Charlie but I mean you have all this going on on and you um, you know you you have your job you have the family you have you know the social responsibilities you're watching out for the employees and uh, when I read your bio um, in the beginning it said that you know it, there's hardly any time to sleep but even with that, you started another business recently, and can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, uh, I'd love to. I, um, you know, I, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? My <laughs> great grandfather is an entrepreneur and started the business, so I mean, that's just how my that's how I'm wired. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was getting my MBA a couple years ago on weekends. Um, it was a Saturday program, and uh, for two and a half years, so my. My wife deserves my degree, as, uh, my, my degree as much as I do because I couldn't have done it without her. So, <laughs> um, But, you know, getting an MBA, you're thinking about business and, and all the things. And, you know, what, what I, I do a lot, but I also don't. I, I, I work really hard at my job with my family. I work hard on myself with education and physically with CrossFit. I sleep. I take health very seriously. And that that's really it. That's all I have time for in 168 mm-hmm. hours a week. So I'm very conscious of that. And this side business that I've developed has to do with that healthcare space. You know, mm-hmm. we it's a the company is called CB Supplements, and that's what we do. We sell multi-collagen protein powder. And it's really something that I was in the business mindset a couple of years ago, and I wanted to scratch my own itch because I'm extremely passionate about supplementation and nutrition. So I created a business out of it because, you know, if there if there is a message to an entrepreneur, just how Jack, when he started ABC, was really passionate about um, the beverage alcohol category. I'm super passionate about health and wellness, which Mm is why I ran HR for a number of years um, and why I started a business in that sector, because, you know, I, I work really hard for ABC. I work really hard for my family. Um, and then I like working really hard for my other business too because it's 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 in a field that I just absolutely love, and I could talk about for days um, in that health and wellness category.
1: Mm-hmm. And and what just um in that in that uh, company, what what exactly is the product?
2: So it's a it's a collagen protein powder, um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which uh, to, you you take orally. It's a you can mix it and. Coffee smoothies, you name it, um, and uh, what what collagen does. You know, the short version is it's the most abundant protein in our body, so mm-hmm. it'll help you obviously with hair, skin, and nails and things like that. But it's also all of your connective tissue, so your joints, your tendons and ligaments, your bones. I mean, really, our entire bodies are made of you know water and collagen when you get down to it. So. Um, and it's something that we used to eat a lot of, and now with the way we eat in today's world, certainly mm. in Europe and in the in the United States, we still don't eat as much of it. So right. we found the need to supplement with it, and we created a business out of it.
1: Well, great. Well, congratulations. Um, and we're going to give our listeners the the website for that um, after this segment. And so we're we're getting towards kind of towards the end, Um, but I have one more question about the if I come back to the family business, Charlie. Um, You said that when the pandemic hit, you were uh, very you you got online, you came up with kind of innovation on curbside. Pick up and everything like that, and um, when the pandemic hit, a lot of family businesses or small businesses, I would say, SMBs, really struggled with this digital transition. They struggled with everything. Um, as as a bigger business, did, would you have any advice to smaller businesses on on how they should deal with this change in consumer behavior going forward, and and a change in in you know reaching the customer digitally?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty simple, really. Just embrace it and embrace change. And I think that uh, a lot of businesses are trying to keep things the way that they've always been. They're not necessarily looking uh, forward or being progressive. And the more that you can change and embrace it, the better. And I think that that that's what got us through the pandemic. We were talking about, you know, curbside delivery or home delivery. Um, you know, or, or the digital space with e-commerce sales, we were talking about that in 2015. So mm-hmm. you know, all all the pandemic did was uh, flash forward time about four, five, six years, um, and it made it happen in one year. So mm-hmm. we we were we were ready. We were thinking forward, and we saw the change, um, and we just embraced the heck out of it. You know, and we just we just it's it's almost like surfing. Just get on the board and ride the wave. It's mm-hmm. it's it, it's that simple. Um, which is, which is hard to do. I acknowledge that change is difficult. I'm a change junkie. I don't mind it at all. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, other, other smaller businesses and big businesses for that matter probably aren't, but I, I think that that's the simple message. Just embrace the change.
1: Mm-hmm. And what, what about speed? Does that play a role also? And how fast you do it? You know, I, I,
2: I, this is just my opinion. I would say yes and no,
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: I I think that uh, I think there's there's always gonna be a wave. So if you yeah. if you decide to not take this one, um, get the next one, of course the wave's gonna end at some point, but if you're always looking to embrace change, the world's always gonna change. The consumer's always gonna yeah. change. So if you're willing to meet them, I don't know if speed is as important. Is mm-hmm. determining, you know, where you're going to meet them. And, and, yeah. and, but of course it is important. That's why I say yes and no, which I know isn't a proper answer to your question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. That's good. No, I agree with you. I think it is kind of, it is a kind of a yes and no answer. Um, so as we get to the end here, Charlie, we have, we have, uh, many, many people, many, um, business owners listening. Um, we have many executives listening from both private sector startups, um, uh, what what would be your final words to them? Some advice as we move forward in this new economy.
2: Yeah. Um, higher help and mm-hmm. what what that means uh to me at least, I am surrounded by an amazing team. Um there there's just no way that you can do it yourself. Um I I, I have an assistant who makes me be able to be two places at once. Um, I I've got somebody who runs CB supplements for me that I've trained. Um, so I can be three places at once now. Um, and I've just, I've got a team of direct reports that I've invested time in, I've trained, um, but then I've allowed the time for them to do their job. So, I mean, I can be, it's, it's this funny feeling sometimes when I, when I'm thinking, all right, I need to be doing something. I need to be doing something. And then I, I calm down and I go, wait. There's six people doing things for me right now, so <laughs> technically I'm already doing those things, which yeah. gives me more time to invest in myself and read and listen to a podcast like yours to learn something new. Um, but you know, just hire hire help and don't try to do everything yourself.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's great advice, and um, thank you. You know, thank you so much for taking the time to to be with us today. And for our listeners, we've been talking with. Charles Bales IV and he is part owner of ABC Fine Wines and Spirits and he is the fourth generation family member running this nine figure family owned business and he is the executive VP of distribution and logistics of ABC Fine Wines and Spirits and he oversees 126 stores and 1,600 employees and uh, he's not only that but he's a husband a dad of three, an executive, an entrepreneur a crossfitter, a health nut, uh, and um, trying to get sleep when you can, Charlie. <laughs> so, uh, But he loves meeting new people and he loves sharing uh, information on his family business and advice. And Charlie, you did that with us today. Thank you so, so much.
2: Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Kimberly.
1: And for our listeners, if you want to reach out to Charlie, you can go to his website under charliebales.com. And he's also on LinkedIn under charlie-bales. And if you want to learn more about his business, you can go to the website abcfws.com. And um, they're also on Twitter. Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram, and if in your if you're in Florida, then I'd suggest you visit one of these wonderful places. They the company does a lot for the social community, and um, it's a great family-run business. And for the other business that Charlie has, you can go to www.cbsupplements.com. And you've been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And this show is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's largest nonprofit digital uh, associations. And Cinda's goal is to help small businesses become digital. And they hold virtual trainings, conferences. They do market research. And they also support small businesses in Europe through legislative white papers that go to the EU. So if you want to learn more about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org for more information. And they're going to be holding their first live conference since the pandemic in Berlin from October 10th to 13th. So please go look at www.cinda.org. And listeners, please remember to tune in to us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us, don't worry, because we are on every major podcast uh, platform, and you can listen to us on your own time, 24 hours a day. And with that, thank you so much for tuning in today, and I wish everybody a great week. And thanks, Charlie, until next time.